This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, episode 192. Now, this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. I am flying solo. My co-host, Guy, unfortunately, last night was hit by a sickness bug, so he's not been able to come in today to record the podcast, which is such a shame, and I'm sure we'll pick up on it in next episode, because we've got a lot of things to talk about. However, I didn't want to leave you with no podcast this week because there's been lots going on in the world of golf. Hopefully, we'll find another opportunity later this week, maybe to release a bonus episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. The reason why I wanted to pick up straight away the start of this week, because on Friday, I participate. I went to, I didn't participate. I'm not playing. <laughs> I went to, attended Live London. 
the first time I'd ever been to a live event at Centurion in London. Um, and I've got five positive points that I learned from my experience, plus five negative points. And I really want to dive into those and kind of give you a bit of a, a background, a rundown of my experience being on site. We've obviously talked about live a lot on this podcast and you heard me talk about it last week. We went off our own accord. Um, we wanted to experience it. I felt like if me and Guy talk about it quite a bit, we should at least just go and experience it. Now, I've been very, very lucky to visit many tournaments around the world. I've been to the Open Championship multiple times, like from everywhere, from St. Andrews all, to, all the way down to Royal St. George's to Burtdale, Royal Liverpool again this, this year. I'll be there in a couple of weeks' time. I've been to the Masters a couple of times. Obviously, you heard about my experience this year at the Masters. And I've visited many, many European tour events over the years. So I feel like I'm in a very strong position to be able to kind of take that information that I've experienced at other golf events and see how live compared. Now, it is very interesting because there are similarities, but there are a lot of things also different. Before I come on to that, and I will do, I can't wait to dive into that. And again, I know when Guy gets back, he'll have his own thoughts and opinions, but uh, often we'll, we have very, very similar ideas on things. Um, but I'm sure he's picked up on things that I didn't, and likewise I did for him. Um, I also just want to very quickly touch on the US Women's Open this weekend that took place at Pebble Beach. First off, happy retirement to Michelle Wee West. She's done incredible in the growth of the game of golf. She's inspired many millions of young girls and women around the world to take up golf, following in Michelle's fashion and style and the way she plays golf. So huge credit to her and happy retirement. And also, I think we spoke about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I had the pleasure of playing with Charlie Hull down at Walton Heath about two weeks ago. She was incredible. The video will be coming out in, in August, actually, because we filmed it at Walton Heath, which is the home of this year's AIG Women's Open, and she was incredible. Her golf is phenomenal, and final round last night at Pebble Beach, or Sunday night for you guys listening, she put on a display of golf and she really did threaten the top of the leaderboard, but she finished in second in the end. But huge shout out to Charlie. So well done. Um, but live, live London. Let, let's talk about this. It was, it was very interesting. I've made notes on my phone as I was literally traveling home. Um, because I thought I've got to make sure I've covered everything. So I went on the Friday, the first day of competitive play. It was a beautiful, sunny day. I think that really played a huge part in the overall enjoyment. Saturday was horrendous weather. I wasn't there Saturday, thankfully. But Friday, just to set the scene, beautiful day. Now, what's quite interesting with a golf tournament like Live, because it is a shotgun start and it was a 2.15 p.m. shotgun start, at other golf tournaments that I've ever been to, certainly let's say the Open is a great example of this, Often the first tea time is around 7 a.m., if not earlier. And often if you're arriving mid-morning, lunchtime, you have missed a lot of the action. You have to get there early. If you're at the open, it's a full day. It's from, it's from dawn till dusk, pretty much every single day, from the practice days to the tournament days. That was the biggest thing I noticed that was different. 
the gates didn't open till 11.30 a.m. Let you, I spoke to some uh, members of the crowd who were there. They'd actually played golf that morning already before arriving to the golf club and then getting into the golf club, even before the shotgun start had taken place. So that was a real, real big difference just from the outlay of the day. The gates opened at 11.30 a.m. And I, I genuinely, because I've not been to a live event before, I didn't even know that that was the case. I thought you could get in whatever time you wanted. So the first thing I've put as a pro, okay? And there's pros and negatives, so I'm going to go through these individually. The, sh- the shotgun start was great for timings of the day. So because there was a, there was a start time, it made the whole planning of the day, now that I know, <laughs> much, much easier. As in, like, you your arrival time is more planned out, where you maybe want to grab some food, where you can position yourself on the golf course, whether you want to be around the first tee or whether you want to head somewhere else on the golf course. For me, the shotgun start was a welcomed addition as a spectator. You're not there for 14 hours watching golf nonstop like you can be at the Open sometimes or other major events or other golf events I've been to. There's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't, but it's hard to certainly if you go multiple days to do that every single day. So shotgun start for me is a timing thing. You knew when everybody was going to start. You knew when everybody was going to finish. That for me was a big positive, okay? Coming into a negative. I'm going to kind of switch between the two of them. Negative. Quite simply, there's not enough players. That honestly, out of all every, that was my first negative that I wrote down, there's not enough golfers, players out on the golf course. There's just not. Again, if you compare it to other golf events I've been to, there's 100 plus, probably about 120 is maybe the max golfers you'd see at a major tournament. At Live, as you know, it's teams, it's 12 teams, it's 48 players. That is it. 48 players, no more, no less. That is the amount of golfers that you're going to see. And to be honest with you, it's not enough. It really isn't. And to be honest, it's going to come nicely into my next kind of negative as such. Out on the golf course, when the shotgun start takes place, and you you, you might have positioned yourself around the golf course, there are often times where there are big gaps in play. Unless you're willing to follow a group around all the way around the golf course, if you want to st- sit yourself on a on a position behind a green or on a tee box or in one of the grandstands, there's not many grandstands, I'll come on to that in a bit. But if you want to position yourself, there's often times where there's just no play being taken place, maybe for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes, quite often, that's the case. So that, for me, was, was a real kind of big negative. It just, I almost think you could double the number of golfers Get, get 100 golfers and no gaps on the golf course and still do a shotgun start. I suppose a shotgun start, you're probably limited to 72 players if you had, well, even then, it's going to be a bit tight. But there just wasn't enough. It just didn't feel like there's enough golfers on site. I don't know the solution. I don't know whether you need two shotgun starts, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. I don't know the solution, but that was just my big takeaway from it. What was cool, so again, I'm going back to a positive, Uh, The driving range before play was immense. I've never seen anything like it at a golf event. There was music 
blaring. Now, Centurion isn't a big driving range. They actually have to build a, a temporary driving range just for the tournament. So it's very, very compact. And for 48 play, players, some world-class players, hitting golf balls, they, they were very, 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 very close to each other. Like, scarily close. I, I kept, like, thinking, oh, my God, you know, somebody's going to get hit by a golf club here. I was having huge uh, anxiety um, attacks, thinking... Certainly as a golf coach, somebody who's worked on driving ranges, either coaching kids or beginner golfers, I'm always so scared if someone's going to get hit by a golf club. And that instinct was was a, a top, at highest alert for me when I was on the driving range before play took place. Um, but overall, what was good about the driving range, the music, the, and just the atmosphere, like it was really cool. You knew what time everyone was going to be on the driving range. You knew that probably about 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes before the first tee tight or the shotgun start was going to take place. Everybody was going to be on the driving range or on the putting green or around the chipping green. That was really, really good. You knew where everybody was going to be. If you went out to go and see one of your favorite players who played for Liv, whether it's Brooks Koepka, Bryson DeChambeau or Phil Mickelson, I'm pretty confident you would see the golf. In fact, you definitely would see the golfer you want to see. Uh, and you don't always get that at major tournaments. You just don't. Um, or any golf tournament. You just sometimes miss your favorite player. So I thought that was really, really good. Um, where have I put on here now? Um, I'm trying to work out my pros and cons in the right order. So shotgun start was good. Not enough players was bad. Driving range before the play was good. Just on a little bit of a... Well, it is a negative, to be honest with you. Um, on the driving range and just the whole golf course itself, I felt like because where the driving range was, and it, Centurion might have been a, an example, a, a rare example, because it was on such a small space of land, and because you then obviously live trying to build hospitality, the Majestics team had a big hospitality tent behind the driving range, I actually felt really sorry, hard done by, by the fans, the general admission fans. Now, full disclosure, I did get, I uh, got managed to get access to a slightly higher graded pass. So I did get behind the ropes. I got to see a few things that the normal general um, consumer wouldn't see. But it didn't mean I wasn't also seeing it through the eyes of them. And I spoke to a lot of fans on site, so got their take as well. I felt like the, the, the general fans had a very poor view of the driving range. Like they had a really small window, and I don't actually mean a physical window, but a part of the spectator zone for, for general fans to watch the driving range was very, very poor. If you had hospitality, if you paid a bit more money, which, you know, I'm not saying it was it's there as an option. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. If you go as hospitality... I feel like the general ticket uh, admission gets a bit hard done by. Uh, that's my truth, truthful, honest opinion of it. If you go in hospitality, you see a lot more, but you've got to pay way, way more. If you go as a general spectator, I do feel like you get a bit hard done by. I feel like there's, there's not many opportunities for you, certainly on grandstands or even all the way around the 18th hole is all hospitality. All the really, really good spots around the first tee all hospitality there's like many more kind of vip zones and and sponsorship zones and all these things which again full disclosure i did get access to i'm just putting it out there however 
I was noticing from general spectators, they had a worse view. So something to definitely cover there. Out on the golf course, however, this is, I'm going to flip this a little bit. Out on the golf course, because I think on the day that I went, there was probably about thirteen to 14,000 spectators, which isn't a huge amount. It felt busy, don't get me wrong, it felt really busy. But if you go out on the golf course and you're willing to walk around the, the back nine, I know for a fact you can get a much, much closer um, view of some of your favorite players that play for live. Like, you can get very, very, very close. So if you're willing to put the legwork in and you get a good spot, you will reap the benefit. So unlike, again, I'm comparing it to the Open or the Masters, etc. If you're willing to to get out there and get out on the golf course to some of the more quieter spots, certainly at Centurion, you can be within feet of Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, some of Dustin Johnson. You can quite literally hear the conversations they're having with their caddies. You really can. So a negative, I think the infrastructure for general fans can improve and can get better. As a um, a pro, you can actually get out there and, and see a lot more golf if you're willing to do the travel. So there's kind of ups and downs of both. Now, I want to cover... A couple of things around the first tee. So, again, I was very, very fortunate. I managed to get incredible access on the first tee. I was pretty much stood on the first tee. And there was a couple of things that was very, very different to a normal golf event. First off, music. Music was pumping. And I thought, surely, surely that's going to get turned down when the golf's taking place. Don't forget, I come from a very traditional golf background where I've at the Masters, at the Open, at golf events, you are quiet. You have guys holding up stands, uh, signs. You have to be quiet. That is so different at Live. Like, the music's blaring, and even, like, the, the sh- whole shotgun start is quite a spectacular, you know, quite spe- spectacular feat. It's very loud. It's ambitious. It's, it's uh, you know it's going to take place. You might have seen on social media the flash dance, which took place on the first tee. Now, in defense, and I think this is, this is I've got a couple of takes on this. In defense, when you are there on site and you've got the music blaring and the sun shining, it's quite exciting. It worked. It worked. The flash dance, listen, I know it's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it kind of worked. People were getting quite hyped up. The players were watching along. They were kind of, on the first tee, you had Cam, Cam Smith, Henrik Stenson, Louis Oostenhays, and all three open champions. And it and it kind of worked. What was interestingly, afterwards on social media, on Twitter, etc., I saw isolated clips taken from that flash dance. And it was like, obviously, the media who maybe weren't there, who were saying, oh, look at this, what Liv's doing, and and look at all the seven fans that were watching. From the angle that it was recorded from on video, it was it did look like there was no one around. I've got a picture, and I'll pop it in the podcast, and if, if you are listening, make sure you check out the video version. I took a picture of that time, and listen, it's not packed. It's not as if it's like a football game and there's, there's 100,000 people around the first tee, but it's busy. Like, it's busy. There's... there's a thousand, maybe two thousand people around the first tee. It's got it's got an atmosphere. And in the first play, the players teed off and Cam Smith stepped up. And I can't quite remember the song that started playing, but I got told he selected that actual song to play as he teed off. And again, 
like in traditional golf sense, you normally quiet, and I and I naturally went quiet. Everyone's talking still. Everyone's chatting. The music's blaring, and, and before you know it, Cam Smith's hit his tee shot, and it's like that's really, really different. That's really different. Henrik Stenson did the same. He put his, um, I think he put Ice Ice Baby on or something like that. And then Louis Oosterhuizen put his his track on, and people were chatting, people were drinking, people were. It was it was different. It was different. The players didn't seem to mind. As a spectator, I didn't seem to mind because I could carry on chatting. I didn't feel as conscious that I would make a noise or the you know I could my phone would make a noise or something. Um, I think as long as the players seem happy, then I think it's a another kind of pro. Again, being on site, it does feel different to not being on site. And this is kind of my big takeaway from the whole event. Um, okay, let's try and work on a few other things here. So I've covered quite a lot there so far. Um, oh, I t- I'll tell you what as well, just on a pro, because this is what I was starting to figure out on the driving range. It kind of shocked me. Being on site and being on the driving range and seeing these top players, not all of them. Not, I couldn't name all 48 players. I wouldn't be able to. But when you actually look at the cream of the crop at the top, the caliber of golfer is pretty impressive. It really is. Like you stood there and I was just kind of stood on the grass bit behind where the guys were warming up and hitting balls. And suddenly you had Bryson DeChambeau walk past. Then you had Brooks Kapka. Dustin Johnson was there in front of you hitting balls. Sergio Garcia is two minutes away. Louis Houston Hayes and Brandon Grace, Phil Mickelson, um, I'm trying to Bubba Watson. Uh, I probably uh, you know, then you've got like Lee Westwood, you've got Ian Poulter, and you're thinking Henrik Stenson, Cam Smith, and you actually start to properly look around and go, I tell you what, I tell you what, these golfers are pretty good. Whether they they are now, I mean Brooks Kepka showed that he obviously is uh, with his win at the uh, US um, USPJ earlier this year. When you honestly look around and you look at the caliber of talent, the major victories that have taken place, and you think, bloody hell, you know, this is this is pretty impressive. You know, and again, there's loads, there was genuinely there was loads of players there. I'm thinking, I don't really know who you are, to be truth be told. Um, I mean, it helps that they had the little name tags behind where they were hitting from in their teams, etc. But the caliber of golfer is actually really impressive certainly the top you know 15 20 25 names that are real household names that i've grown up watching golf and watching these guys play and compete at the highest level that was really interesting for me um right where else can i put with this um i think i've covered quite a lot of the pros let's get into some of the negatives a bit more one of the big standout factors I realised, again, being on site, is I feel like some of the teams are really trying to hard, uh, trying hard to build the franchises. And I feel like other teams couldn't be bothered. They have no interest in the team element at all. That was my one of my biggest takes from being at Live. I felt like teams like, certainly Majestics, Let's use them as an example. I really feel like they're getting fully behind the team element. 
without question, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson, and you've got kind of two players that kind of swap in and out, Laurie Canton, Sam Horsfield. Uh, three, of, three of those people have actually been on the channel before, Poulter, Westwood, and Sam Horsfield. But when you actually look at that team, it seems like a team. They're all dressed in matching uniforms as such. They've got the kind of Majestics tent behind the uh, driving range because it was their kind of home open as such with four out of five of them being from the UK. Um, it, it was very it was very interesting to see that team dynamic. And I spent a little bit of time in there. I spoke to Poulter very quickly. He was, he was excited about our video that's coming out next week or this week now. It's coming out Friday this week. And it felt like, even, and I obviously know Sam Horsfield from when we shot that video. And when you see the little bits of interaction be, be, between the team members, you can just tell they're really into it. Like Sam saying, good luck, to, he's injured at the moment. Good luck tomorrow, Pulse. You know, make sure you do it for the team. And it, and it felt like it had a real team mentality. I didn't, not even close, get that feeling with other teams. I'm not saying... Not none of the teams, but there was probably a handful of teams, probably Majestics, Range Goats, um, Four Aces. I don't know. I don't want to not say any. You know, I don't know all the teams, but it felt like those three or four teams seemed to be really into it, and others just didn't seem to be fully grasping this team element. I mean, stories broke as the week unfolded of of uh, Brooks Kepka's team smash. I think it's smashing it, Brooks Kepsis' team, and the um, complications and the bickering and the and the arguments that are starting to bubble and boil in the surface between like Brooks Kepka and Matt Wolf. Apparently, stories of, of Brooks Kepka getting these guys in the gym and pounding them because the performance hasn't been good enough. Therefore, a couple of them had to pull out in injuries. Now, you might look at that and go, "Well, Brooks is behind this team element. Brooks wants it to work, and he probably does." Don't get me wrong. But there's definitely team members or teams that are just not forging those kind of connections or that that um, that franchise. And you know what? I understand why. Golf is a very, very, very individual sport. And these guys have lived all of their golf life being individual athletes, bar exemptions of, except, exceptions of the Ryder Cup and President's Cup and things like that. They've always worked individually. And now they kind of get in, they have to be in part of a team. So that that was a big takeaway from me. Another big takeaway, and this is I'm not saying this is a pro or a con or a negative, a pro or a negative. I felt like um the I, I was very surprised, very, very surprised how many fans and spectators were buying um team merch. Like really surprised i actually nipped into the shop to go and have a look at the team merch and the queue was out of the door and people were buying caps t-shirts hoodies towels anything they could grab from their favorite teams now it's interesting for me I, you know followed it loosely i know quite a lot of the players i don't really even have a team i don't well i don't have a team I don't particularly, I'm not fond of any, I, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm a definite Smashers fan or I'm definitely a Crushers fan. I just don't, I'm not connected in that way at all. Whether I will be, time will tell. But it really surprised me walking around how many spectators and fans were rocking team merch. 
So fair dues, but it, that was something that really surprised me. Um, what else could I say? Okay, another negative. It's hard to follow the scoring when you're on site unless you're watching on TV. Unless, obviously, there's TVs around, certainly in some of the bars or hospitality, which, yes, I might have nipped into for refreshments. But I found it very difficult to follow. When the golf had taken place, it's really hard to follow the scoring. And even if you could follow the scoring, you then have to figure out, well, hold on. Is that, as such a player got to that score quickly because he's played a part of the easier golf course at the moment? Has is that golfer struggling at the bottom because he's not played the easier side of the golf course? He's gone out in the he's gone out in the seventh hole and seven to fifteen is particularly hard. I found following the scoring, I find it hard in general anyway, just watching it on YouTube or TV, etc., or through the app. But for me, it was it was even harder when you're on site. I found it really I mean, following golf scores when you're on site anyway, whether it's the open, very, very, very difficult at um the Masters. Can you see that TV, Sam, or not really? Um, or like the Masters, or that, I always find the scoring to be very difficult in the Masters because one, you've not got your phone. Two, there's no, there's only a few leaderboards dotted around. Um, at the Open, it's a bit easier because you've got your phone, you've got leaderboards here, there, and everywhere. I felt like Liv, I was kind of checking it on my phone, but also I felt like the, the infrastructure, the scoring where it was shown just wasn't as prominent. It wasn't as easy to follow just because, again, because it's a shotgun start. So in one breath, I'm, I'm saying as a spectator, who's somebody who went to the golf event, actually really enjoyed the shotgun start. In other aspects of the shotgun start, I found it hard. I found it really frustrating because I was like, I don't quite know what's going on here all the time. Um, I've got one more big negative which i'll come on to in a minute i'm just trying to work out if there's any other things that i've missed off there i think i've got most of the things so for me the positives were the shotgun start as a spectator knew my timings i thought the driving range before was really cool if you could see if you got a good view um, oh this is something else i've put down actually as a positive after the golf there is a concert that takes place on site and I'd seen it on social media and thought, what is this? Now, I am not shy to a party, to a dance, to a bit of a shindig. I am not shy to those events. I, In fact, I live for those events. But even me watching it online was a bit like, what? A golf event? I'm not quite sure this is going to work. I can categorically say it worked when you're there. It did. It worked. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if it was a few beers and a sunshine. I'm not saying it's wrong. Or, it worked. It really, really did. On site, once the golf had finished, it finished about 7 o'clock. Very, very quickly, around in the tented village, it was DJ Snake and some other DJ that was performing. It worked. It was busy. It was busy. I, I wouldn't like to say how many people stayed, but... I mean, if, if let's say 14,000 people were there on the Friday, which I think is an accurate number, I would say at least five to 6,000 people stayed for the concert. Me being one of them, it was good. It was good. It was. It, there's no question about it. 
you'd watched the golf all day, you'd had a few beers, you'd enjoyed yourself, and you topped it up with a bit of a a bit of a, a shindig, a bit of a dance, a few more drinks as the sun was setting. It was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Again, and I put this in brackets, it looks terrible on social media. The flash dance and the concert don't trans translate well onto social media. I, the, the kind of things that you have to be on site to appreciate. And I did, honestly. Um, and I would be the first person, I promise you, if it was terrible and it was cheesy and it was corny and it was terrible, I would tell you it wasn't. It was it was brilliant. I really enjoyed the concert side of things. Um, like I said, I really liked the golf, the music on the golf course. That had huge potential for me. I thought the caliber of golfer was really good when you start seeing some of these big names. And I felt like the spectators could, could get really close in parts. The negatives, not enough players. Quite frankly, not enough players. Um, I feel like around certain um, main parts of the golf course, around the first tee, around the 18th hole, I felt like the spectator, the normal general admission spectators got hard done by. And, and the driving range. I felt like the general admission spectators were hard done by in those situations. There just wasn't enough spectator space for the general admission. Um, some teams were really behind. Some players were really behind the team. Others weren't. That's what I saw as a negative. And I found it to be really hard to follow the scoring when playing, when play was taking place. Before I come on to my final, final, final negative, and I feel like I've been fair there. I've thrown in plenty of positives and plenty of negatives, as I could do for probably every golf event I've ever been to. What did surprise me or or, uh, stand out was the crowd. Definitely, definitely a younger crowd who were more focused on the atmosphere and the event itself over the golf. Now, again, I know when I go to the Open in two weeks' time at Royal Liverpool, I will see fans who have probably been to every Open venue for the last 50 years, and they will go with a little picnic, and they'll have a, a nice umbrella and a and a, one of those chairs that you can sit on, like an umbrella with a seat on it. I know they'll go to a grandstand, they've done the research, they'll sit in a grandstand and they will sit there for 14 hours sipping a cup of tea, watching every type of golfer and they will politely clap all the way through 14 hours. I know that person. I know that spectator will go to the Open. They weren't there for live. They weren't. The crowd that was there for live, I wouldn't say it was ridiculously young, but it was definitely more of an atmosphere of a general sporting event. It was more like um, if you went and watched the the horse racing here in the UK, or you went and watched a bit of an exhibition day out, or you went to probably what it would feel like in the fancy fancy areas of of um, the F one. If you went to that, it was a slightly younger crowd who wanted to go there to watch golf, I would presume, but also enjoy themselves, have plenty of drinks, have fun with the friends. And to be honest, I know that the Liv's tagline is golf but louder. For me, they are fans but louder. Still think they're fans, fans of sport, fans of being at an event, but they are louder. Like, 
you'd hit you'd hit a tee shot and i've a caveat to a lot of this i've never been to a pga tour event i've only ever been to the masters outside of the uk obviously the british open or the the open the, the open and many european tour events and now live i'd never seen when a tee shot had got been hit so much whooping hollering shouting cheering jeering booing than i have a, a live event that was something certainly as the day got on certainly as the drink was flowing a bit more i would say a few more of the fans plucked up the courage to be a little bit um more vocal it's probably the best description for it good or bad i don't know but it's just my observations again it didn't seem like the players minded and i think as long as the players don't mind does it really matter i wasn't offended by it as long as the players don't mind and it's not putting them off and it's not happening in their backswing i think it's fine my last point my last negative overall i enjoyed my time at live i did this is my one big last negative for me it still doesn't mean anything it's quite a bold bold line that isn't it it doesn't mean anything i wasn't massively bothered who was winning after day one cam smith was but i wasn't particularly bothered i wasn't really bothered what team did well i wasn't really bothered that cam smith won wasn't offended didn't bother me i like quite really like cam smith but for me it just didn't mean anything and i don't know i've said this before in the past but certainly on site being there it just felt like it has no history yet will it do who knows but right now again when i've been to other golf events i want to know who's leading after day one i want to know who is going to win i want to know who is going to get top five i want to know what happens to the to the journeyman who qualified and managed to get into the top 10 at the open i want to know that I want to know all of that. I want to know what it means to the young, up-and-coming, aspiring professional to be in the final group and to maybe miss out, but they've managed to qualify for next year's major tournaments. I want to know that. I want to know all of these things that, for me, a traditional golf event still gives you. For me, live just the, the, the actual result, the team result, I wasn't bothered genuinely wasn't bothered didn't care that dustin johnson and four aces won think i honestly didn't care didn't really care that cam smith won and normally at a golf event i care i care a lot in fact it means a lot a hell of a lot and sometimes it's not your favorite player that wins and it's sometimes it's it's the vinyl, vi- villain that wins but for me at live it didn't really matter who won whether it was going to be cam smith whether it's going to be bryson whether it's going to be any of them it didn't matter and that for me was the the final point that they need to work on if this is going to survive certainly in my humble opinion that's something they need to build into this kind of event it needs to mean something at the moment all it means is 
respectfully, wealthier players get wealthier and they pick up a trophy. Don't blame them for that one bit. But as a fan, it didn't really mean anything to me. If they can fix that, if if they can work on that somehow, then I think it's going to have huge success moving forward. Overall, it was a pleasant, lovely experience. I had a great time. And to be honest with you, I would recommend it. But it's not perfect. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And sorry it's solo episode today. I wanted to bounce all these ideas off Guy. We'll maybe do that later on this week or early next week. Uh, but thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. And that was my honest and I think fairly well, well, very well measured personal opinion of my day at Live London. We'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.